Good morning. Great to see everybody here this morning. All right, I want to uh, kind of catch you up. If you weren't with us last week, we um, had our vision casting message, so it was our business meeting, but uh, the business meeting was more about here's what you have to look forward to in 2021. Here's what we're you know, processing. Here's what we're praying about. Um, and again, if you were with us, you, you know, my, I was pretty excited about what's happening in 2021, pretty excited about uh, where we're going. And one of the things that we talked about is like, where are we going to stand as a church, right? Like what's going to be important to us and what are the things that we're going to stand for and what are the things that we're going to be about? And once we decide it, this is what we said, or this is what I said to you, and this is my hope for you, is, is that we'll stand and fight for it. Right, because I would have said and will continue to say that where the church is today and, and the decision of where you are today will be challenged if you stand for something, right, coming in the future. Like it's going to be challenged. So we have to be ready to fight a battle. And we have to be ready to uh, take on whatever enemies come our way. So I just want to share a little bit about my story or kind of how my week went after that message. Um, and so you ever have, like when you're in high school, do you remember the guys that were big talkers? Like they were like, always said they wanted to fight, but then when it really came time to fight, they would never show up. But ever around guys like that? You know what I mean? They're like, you know, they're the ones walking around and they're the big boys in high school. And then you're like, well, let's just throw hands then. And they're like, well, you know, there's got to be another way to work through it. You know, because it's the determination. Are you going to be a talker or are you going to be a doer, right? Are you going to be in those things? So essentially, when we left last week, you know, I'm like, listen, we need to be a church. We don't need to just talk about what we think Jesus Christ is calling us to do. We need to engage into the battle and fight for what we stand for and fight for where we're going to be. Well, I think the enemy heard <laughs> to a certain extent. And I just want to speak of my own journey in my own life. So this week, there were a lot of mortars coming in. And I'll just have to tell you that I, it was unexpected for me, you know, in all of this, of, of a lot of what happened in this week, and, and in it, all of a sudden I found my mind being very distracted away from where God wants me to be. And here's what we know, right? The best way to move you off course is distract you away, to move inside of your mind, to move you into places that you shouldn't be. And I just, again, this week, and, and I'm not going to go into the details of it, but man, I told Sherry, I said, man, it's been forever since I've been like this forever since I've had this like angst and anxiety and you know I'm just not an anxious person and not much gets to me and and I you know it was Wednesday or so and I called her and I said hey do you remember that song I can't remember what it is but it's something about the eye of the storm and it was a song that uh when Sherry's mom was dying um it was a song that she would want to play all the time like this remembrance of like no matter what's going on you know we got to get focused because we have to remember if we are going to fight right that's what we decided last week the storm's coming right so you can expect the battle you can expect the storm the question is is that how are we going to react to the storm so here's what I want you to do and again this doesn't have I mean it ties into the message a little bit but more of this significance is is that 
I'm telling you these stories because I want you to understand this is a real life thing going on. Like this isn't just talk from the front, right? Like when we're gonna engage into the things that Christ has called us to do, this isn't like you're just gonna walk away and be like, hey, I got a lot of notes and that was good, you know, and let's go back to life as normal. If you're gonna do anything about it, like if you're gonna change your life, like, you know, I challenged young people, like if you're gonna actually do what you're called to do and you actually take a step that you haven't taken before, I guarantee you the enemy's coming, right? So then the question becomes, how do we respond? And so I'll apologize first to those people who are online with us because of copyright issues. You can't hear the audio of this song, but you're going to see the words up. But here's what I want us to do. And again, this might have zero significance to you today. But for me, this was something that I put on repeat for hours inside of my office until I made the decision of I believe what he says, and I will not go down this road anymore, and it was. It was something that changed my perspective um, for the week and changed my perspective in moving forward uh, in what I'm doing. So I just want you to, again, I want you to, we're going to put the lights down. I want you to watch. We got a video kind of to go with it, and um, just listen to the song and listen to the words of the song, Um, and if you're online, read the words of the song, and just let that sink in, because If your battle wasn't this week like it was for me, your battle's coming in the weeks to come or your battle's coming at some point. And I think the words of this song can be settling as we figure out where we land in the midst of that. So if we can just go ahead and play that uh, song. So inside of that, there's this realization, right? Like the war is coming, these things are happening, but remember this, your battle is not against flesh and blood. And if you think you're going to be in this world and you're going to be unscathed, if you're going to engage in the war, you better understand your enemy and how it's coming. And remember this, that the sails can get torn and they can rock the boat and everything. All those things can happen. But at the end of the day, God is in control, regardless of what happens. And I guess for me, it was a sense of like, I'm off track because I thought I was in control. My mind was racing, which is what we're going to talk about today. This whole series, Mastermind, comes out of this idea. Your strongest thoughts will dictate the actions of your life. Whatever is dominating your mind will then dominate the actions of your life. And what's crazy about that is when we, when we process that, that seems like something that's, oh yeah, that makes complete sense. Like what I'm thinking about or what, what's running through my mind drives my actions, yeah, that, that makes sense. The problem with it all is, is that we don't understand how the enemy uses that same theory to move you off center, right? So it's easy to think about the idea, well, yeah, what we think about drives our actions. And so you would know that then in the process of all of this, that there is a plan to figure out who's gonna be in control of your mind right? Like if the actions of our life, everything that we talked about last week, if, if we're going to go out and we're going to live for the way that Christ called us to live, we better, be, we better be deciding who's in control of our mind. Now, here's what we know. We all know this, but sometimes we forget it, but you're for sure know that people know how to get into the minds of people, right? Because if you think about this, think about this in your own life for a second, The people that have influence with you or have a voice tend to decide your ideology, right? Isn't that right? 
Like the people that have your voices in you, your circles, tend to deem your ideology or the way that you think. Who you talk to, who you spend time with, what books you read, it, it determines your ideology. Where your mind is captured, so then is your ideology formed. Does that make sense? So whatever captures your mind, your ideology is formed. If you go clear back, and I've said this to you guys a long time ago, if you go back to what we think has happened, because one of the things I've been studying for quite a few years is, is what's happening to young men, right? Young men are staying boys. So what's going on? Why are they staying boys? Part of it was is because clear back, you know, a long time ago, the father had a huge influence on the ideology of their sons, because they were the main voice. There wasn't any other voice, right? Like, what are they going to do, read the paper? <laughs> Which they're not, right? They're not going to be reading the paper. So when they're out working beside dad, dad's going to tend to form the ideology of their sons, right? Like, that's just the way that it works. And part of the problem today has been is, is that the ideology is no longer formed by the parents, the ideology, and, and I'm not saying the parents didn't try to form it, but do you realize what you're competing with in voices today? Do you remember what I said? How much time do people spend on this? Right? I mean, if you looked at your screen time, because we're talking about what has your attention. And when I say attention, I'm saying undivided attention, meaning that you are looking at it and, and we've seen this before, right? So when stuff's going on and people are on their phone, you could be talking to them and they're like, haven't you ever had this with your kids? Like they're all sitting around, you're like, hey, <laughs> did you hear what I said? Oh, what were you saying? Because undivided attention, think about this. I said to kids, look how much screen time you've been spending on your phone. And so they went out and they has it on the phone, right? Somehow you can figure this out and you look at it and you look at the screen time. You know how much undivided attention and how many voices are talking to your kids today? Do you know how many voices are talking to you today? And do you know that there are people that know how to get to you, to get your attention, to pull you away from what matters most? Because everybody in culture knows this. Whoever captures the minds, whoever can capture your mind can also capture your actions. And your actions for marketers will be the way you spend your money. For politicians, it'll be the way that you vote. For You know what I mean? Like, whatever it is, if they can capture your mind, they can capture your actions, and they go down this road. So mastermind is to talk about this. So what does God say about it all? How are we, as Christian people who are getting ready to engage into the battle— how is it that we as Christian people should have our mind mastered by an undivided attention, not on this, but on this? Because too many times, you know, the arguments that I hear today, or well, I read it on social media, or I read it on something that said this, and I'm like, well, what'd you read in here? Because in here is where it's got to be, Right? I mean, you can go all day about what everybody else says or what they think, but at the end of the day, we as Christian people, our minds, our undivided attention is supposed to be captured by Jesus, right? And the voice needs to be through Jesus, and the lens in which our minds are captured should be around the lens and the things that Jesus says. And so this series is going to be, first of all, recognizing there is a battle for your mind, it's to recognize, parents, there is a battle for the mind of your children, 
right? The battle is being waged, and we can talk about how culture's waging the war of trying to win over the minds of people, and I'm telling you, Scripture dealt with this way before culture did and said Satan's trying to win the minds of people because he knows if he can win your mind and he can change your ideology, he can change the way you respond and react. And I've told you guys this in the past. The greatest devastating thing inside of the church today is because we've went away from the truth of scripture and the ideology of popular Christianity. And I know that might not seem like you might not see that today, but I'm telling you it's coming. There is a popular way to do Christianity and there's a biblical way and they are going to clash. They just are. It's coming and you're going to have to decide at some point where you land. You're either gonna land on popular Christianity accepted by most of the world because sometimes we think the attacks are coming from the outside. So we're on the same page. They're gonna be coming from the inside and there's gonna be this war of which camp of Christianity you're going to land in, popular Christianity or biblical Christianity. And so my hope is that you will understand this war is already going on for your mind. And so today we're going to talk about that. Then we're also going to be talking about how do you train your mind? How do you, how do you understand how to view things through scripture so that your mind can be on the right track? So I hope over the next four weeks that we together can understand the war that's going on, the power of our thinking, how it determines the actions of our life, and that we can get on a training process that'll allow us, in the midst of the storm, to recognize who's in control and what God has for our lives. So if you have a Bible, here's where I want you to turn. This is 2 Corinthians 10, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6. Here was Paul's problem, so I want you to put it in context, right? So here was Paul's problem. So Paul was a church planner. Right, So Paul would go around and he would plant churches um, all over. And so he'd go into the side of these cities, specifically the Corinthian city, right, the city of Corinth. And he would say to them, you have a certain ideology, right? This is the way that you think. This is the way that you believe. Their ideology went around multiple gods and multiple things and they, they, the actions of their life were determined by you know, the, the things that were going on inside of their city. Paul shows up and says, hey, I want you to know something. There is a Jesus, Messiah, who died on a cross, rose from the dead, came back, showed to everybody that he can defeat death, and now he is living inside of each one of us and you can have the same gift. We just need to change the way that you think. So those many gods that you thought of, don't think of them anymore. Think of a singular God. Think of a God who sent his son. You know, he went through the whole thing. Changed their ideology, set up a church and said, get together and worship over a Christ who has saved you. Get together and worship over a Christ who has, has again, uh, given you forgiveness. And get together and worship a Christ who has given you power to live. And then he would go on. Plant the church, set up leaders, and then leave and go to plant another church. Well, here's what happened. And, and you can see this happening a lot today is, is so he came and he planted the church and he left and in came behind him new people to set a new ideology why why does that happen well the same reason that it happens today why do people want to change the ideology because it's not serving the needs of what these people want so these people were coming in and were like 
oh, there's no more Jewish customs, which means there's not going to be any more festivals. And you know the guys that always sold the, the stuff outside the temple? You know, if you've ever been in a, in anywhere where they have a temple and outside of the temple, like when I went over to India, you would go on the outside of the temple and everything was for sale, doves and incense and spices, and then you would buy them, and then you would take them and put them inside of the temple. Well, think about the guys that now that there is no need for any sacrificial things, there's no need for the temple anymore, and all of a sudden it's Jesus and Christ alone, and you have the freedom. You don't even need the priest anymore because the veil was torn, and so now you can directly talk to God, and you don't even need any of them. How do you think that went over with religious people? Yeah, not well. Now all of a sudden they don't have influence and they don't have jobs and they're not where they need to be. So they come back in and these Judaizers, and there were other people, but Judaizers would come in and say, oh, it's fine, love Jesus, it's just Jesus and something. It's Jesus and circumcision, it's Jesus and the law, it's Jesus and a few festivals, and it's Jesus and... And so they came in and now the people inside of the church were like, oh, maybe that is the way it's supposed to be. And so their ideology changed. They believed the lies, and they started to become that type of a church. Paul finds out about it and says, I can't just leave it like this. I've got to go back and set the record straight, right? I've got to go figure out how to set the record straight. Now, how he wages the war against the Judaizers who came into the church sets a precedent for us. How are we going to fight the war which I tell you is coming for the souls of mankind and not only for the souls of mankind, for the church who is trying to be moved to the middle, you know, trying to be moved away from the things that God has to do? How are we going to fight this war? Right? How are we going to battle against what's happening inside of culture today? Paul gives us a model. Right, of how we are going to fight the battle for your mind. Okay, so here's how he talks about it. So this is uh, 2 Corinthians, starting in verse, or in chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Here's what he says. By humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I'm away. He starts off this idea that if we're going to have any type of influence with people, right, if you're going to have any type of influence in helping them change their ideology, you can't go in wanting to chop their head off. Like that's usually not a great relational approach. I don't know if any of you guys have ever tried it before, but when you go in and you tell them that they're the worst person in the world and that they're going to hell and, you know what I mean, like if you go into it with this, you know, attacking mentality, you tend not to be able to talk to people in a way that, that helps them, again, see the truth. And we think sometimes attacking helps people see the truth. Paul would say compassion, right? That's what he would say. As a soldier for Christ, we need to be reminded that we need to have compassion. You know, and I'm going to talk about this in a little bit. But even in the situation that happened this week, you know, that was going on inside of my heart, I had to sit back and think. My first response was, if I had a baseball bat or the ability and wouldn't go to jail, I had a plan. <laughs> right? Like, because I just couldn't figure it out. Like, nothing made sense in my mind. And, and, and again, I got to this place where I finally had some, some resolve in this of how Christ wants me to view it. And I'm like, I feel sorry for the guy. 
And I feel sorry for him. That he came to this place in his life where this is what comes out and these are the things that come out. I have been like, I still care that this man knows Jesus Christ someday. Right? Like I do. And I have compassion because I'm, I'm pretty sure at this stage of the game he doesn't. So I have to choose my response. Paul would say as soldiers, we need to be compassionate. What brings us compassion is a reminder that there are still lost people and part of their response to you is because they're lost. Part of their response and everything that they're doing isn't because they're bad people, it's because they're lost. And who's gonna give them the right way? Who's gonna guide them in those places? Then he goes on and he says this in verse two. I beg you that when I come, I may, not, uh, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. He says, if you're going to do this, you need to be compassionate, but you also need to be courageous because there is truth that needs to be spoke inside of all of this, right? There's a time to speak truth, and you know what happens when you speak truth to somebody who disagrees with your truth? How's that usually go over? Yeah, for sure conflict, Right? Because then it becomes a battle of who's right. Right? And all of a sudden, this battle of like, I'm going to yell at you long enough and hard enough until you know I'm right and you're wrong. And then you just have to decide can you yell louder and longer? Right? And there's this battle of who's going to be right. He's saying there's going to be a place for truth, and you're going to have to be, you're going to have to be courageous enough. And I, I've said this to people all the time. There are times. Inside of the church, we have to be courageous enough to walk to our brothers and sisters in Christ and say, that's not right. Has nothing to do with your salvation, has nothing to do with anything, but your belief next to truth, not my opinion. See, this is where we get it wrong, is when you sit down with somebody you have conflict with and you say, here's my opinion, they say, here's my opinion, and you can be like, oh, we just agreed to disagree. It's not your opinion. What scripture say? If scripture says this, it does not matter what your opinion is. You surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You don't get to choose your opinion on those subjects, right? We don't get to walk around those things. So there are times where we as Christians are going to have to be courageous enough to say, I know what you're saying, and I know how logical it sounds. But at the end of the day, this is the truth. You can choose to not believe truth and you can choose to argue with God over truth, but just so you know, don't argue with me about it, right? This is what it says. You can take up your argument with him. This isn't between me and you. This is a part of what scripture says, but he said, you're gonna have to have the courage. We can't just let everything go by. Then he kind of gets to the heart of uh, this scripture in verse three when he says this. For though we live in a world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have a divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments of every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Paul is recognizing something that we have to recognize. 
You see when he says in here that the thing that we need to do is we need to demolish the arguments and pretenses and set itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every what? Thought. What did Paul recognize as the problem inside of the Corinthian church? The way that they... You can talk. Come on. I mean... I know this one might be a little more boring than last week, but come on, stay with me. Like, there's something in this that you're going to like, I'm telling you, right? They're battling against thought, right? So you know when he talks about strongholds? So anybody familiar with, like, anybody ever been over to Greece before or watched anything on Netflix about Greece or any of those countries? Okay, maybe you won't raise your hand. When you go over there, there's these places called the Acropolis, So the Acropolis was inside of a lot of Greek cities. The Acropolis was at the top of every single city. So when there was a war that went on, people could retreat to the Acropolis, the stronghold, where you could then defend yourself against the enemy. So when Paul talks about these strongholds, he's trying to paint this picture for you of what would happen in those times to the Greek people, he would say, as soon as the war came on, they went and they, they hid in the Acropolis and they stayed in the Acropolis with this stronghold that if they would just stay inside of the Acropolis, they would live, right? But that their Acropolis could never be overtaken because they're at the top of the city. Paul says, we've got to demolish strongholds. We got to get people out of the Acropolis, Right? How do you get people out of the Acropolis? Drag them out kicking and screaming? Or change the way that they think? You know why they're in the Acropolis? So today, let's use this same example. You know what the strongholds in America today are? Ideologies that are false. Think about this. How many times before I got rid of my social media... Did I go through and I'd be like, how in the world could that person be thinking this? Not, nobody else had social media and you went through and you saw somebody on there and you're like, are they an idiot? So maybe that's better the terminology. You're like, you're reading it and they put a post out there and you're like, this person is delusional, right? And these are Christian people that we are saying are delusional. How did they ever get these thoughts? Where did they ever come from? Here's how. An ideology formed by culture, not scripture. Right? Ideologies formed by what culture has told them is right. And so the battle, Paul says, if you want to change anything, you want to get them out of those strongholds, telling them they're an idiot on social media doesn't work. No, you want to. (laughs) Or telling them they're an idiot in person tends to not work, right? As much as I'd love it, (laughs) you know, just to kind of let them know how I feel. Like, we already know it doesn't work that way, right? Paul would say the only way to change the ideology of a person is to get in their mind, to change the way that they think. How do we change the way that they think? How do we get them to a place where they can understand? How do we demolish strongholds? And this is what he says. Make sure we're on the same page. When he talks about the war is not between flesh and blood, he's also not talking about you 
fighting demons. Okay, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about fighting ideology of the lies that the demons have put into the place of the people that are listening to the lies. You're not fighting the demon. You're fighting the lies that the demon... Remember, Satan, what is his natural nature? He's a liar. He's the father of lies. The way he knows, the easiest way to get to people, that's why I'm saying young people, okay, you were bored for a while, now listen to me. The way that he's changing your culture is to lie to you. And the only way you're going to get out of that is not listening to somebody else, but only listening to one, and that one is here. That's it. I mean, you can go online, and I'm telling you, listen, so many people are listening to pastors and podcasts. So all that stuff's good, right? Listen to all you want. But until you get in here and see what it really has to say, it's just your own ideology, too. If you can't back it up with Scripture, how do you defeat a lie? With truth. Where does a Christian say our truth comes from? Scripture, the only place. And that's why I'm always saying, like, you know what's so weird? Like, I read this, and a person says they're a Christian, and they came up with this ideology, and I'm thinking, you're for sure not reading Scripture. There's just no possible way that response came from what you read. So our responsibility, Paul would say, the first way we have to master our mind and I'm speaking to all of us today, is you better know truth. So if you think the way to know truth is just coming to listen to a pastor speak, you are sorely mistaken. Preachers have a role to help spur on your need to learn more about what the truth is because the enemy's coming to your home and if you don't know truth, then you are gonna struggle in your mind and he's going to try to lie to you and if you can't pull it open and you can't find what it is, your ideology will be changed by the number of voices that have come in and you're gonna have to choose who to listen to. And if we don't know where to go or how to go, now, Know this, right? I'm not saying that every person has to know the scripture from backward to forward, but you better figure out a way to try to figure out how to get to know it. And that's coming on a Sunday morning. That's being in a small group. That's being in a mentoring relationship. That's being in conversations with people. Don't think the only way that you're going to get this done is one week on Sunday, we're celebrating, singing, and we're talking about a scripture, and then Monday through Saturday, we're doing our own thing, and we hope to get it back. Listen, that's not you won't have the ability to fight the war to change the ideology of mankind until you truly know what the truth is. And, and, we said this last week, and I don't want to overstate this, but I'm going to say it again, that you know truth and live truth. Because if you know truth and don't live truth, it has no power. We're tracking, <laughs> right? You can, listen, when you're trying to change the ideology of a man, do you want to know the greatest way to derail it? It's tell him what the truth is and live differently. But I've been around a few of those. <laughs> I've had a few of those guys in my life. They like to speak it and not live it. And I'm like, I will never listen to a person who's not willing to do what they say.
not going to listen to him. That's just kind of guy I am. Kind of be the same thing when I used to work for people. I'm like, it's really hard to work for a person that, you know, you don't mind going out and shoveling the crap, but it'd be nice to know that one day before they've shoveled crap too, like they've been at the same place you have. Like that helps the process to know that somebody's done the same thing. Don't you think? Like helps you the same concept as scripture it's easy to preach from the front what the truth is hard to live in that way and he says understand truth live out truth and then see what God will do and here's how he ends it so he ends it in verse 6 by saying this and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete so the band's going to come back up and this one by the way that he words it, seems just a little bit complicated, but I want to I want to um, help you understand it clearly of what he's saying. So again, he says, um, and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete, which is the key. So he's going inside of the church, and this is this is a, an important part of this scripture. He's going inside of the church, and he's saying this until your obedience is complete. This is what he's saying. So we're all going to start from ground zero, okay? Let's just say we're all starting from ground zero. We don't know what the truth is, okay? Now we're coming back in, and we're saying we will learn truth. So it's all going to take some time, right? So for everybody in here, it's going to take some time to learn what truth is and, and what God says and filter and change our ideology and go through this. And in that process, once your obedience is complete, once you know truth, now the sifting will begin. Now, <laughs> this is the other part that I don't want to overstate, but I don't want you to miss. If what we said last week is true, and you are going to engage into the battle to change the ideology of mankind, to see them see this world through this Bible, and you are going to stand up for your faith, the sifting will begin. And if you haven't experienced it, you will. There will be a time where your belief of truth will be challenged this is what Paul's saying. Your belief in this truth will be challenged. You're going to have to decide of which side of the line you stand on. I've said in 2021, the church is going to get sifted. There's going to be, this is the truth, and this is popular Christianity, and if you stand for this, you will be sifted, called out, Asked to stand. You know, sifting never happens when you stand in the middle, amen? Right? When you stand in the middle and have no opinion, you're not getting sifted. You're getting accepted. <laughs> but this is the year, I believe, for the church to say, no more. <laughs> this is my truth. My mind will be set on the truth of God, not the, the whims of the world and the things of the world. And when my, your truth is set here, not only is the sifting going to come from people on the outside, I think sifting's coming. You know, I, and this was probably the hardest part. Like, 
when that song says, when it comes from your friends and family, when the attack comes from your friends and your family, the people that are closest to you, you're going to have to make a decision. I said the hardest part for young people today to make decisions to stand up for the truth of Christ is you might lose some friends. People that you thought had your back, but all of a sudden, because you chose to stand on something, don't anymore. People that you've worked with for years, all of a sudden looking at you in a different way. People that have befriended you, but all of a sudden, now that you take a stance, no longer want to be friends, I'm telling you, it's coming. And all Paul's saying is, get your mind right. Know what you believe. There's a war going on for your mind. Guard your mind. Don't allow those influences to come in and stay strong with the same thing we started this service with. In the eye of the storm, your sails might get torn and your boat might get rocked a little bit, but he is your anchor. He is in control. Nothing happens to you that is not filtered through the hand of God. Nothing. All things. Persecution comes if we persevere so that our faith will grow. This is the year to see our faith grow, our God to be real, and things to change. And we are going to be the catalyst of that because we have chose to master the mind and to think differently. Will you stand so I can pray for you? Heavenly Father, we love you, and we know that in a world today, there is an attack on our mind, Lord, and there are so many influences and so many voices. Lord, can you help us have the courage to push those voices out, to seek the one that matters most? Can you give us, Lord, the courage to stand on truth for once? And may our truth be guided through your word and nothing else. We can't make excuses. We can't keep talking around it. Your word is our guide, and we will believe it, and it will be our truth. It will be our marching orders. It will be as we soldiers for you in this world, we will take our lead from Scripture. Lord, may we as a church stand against apathy, Stand against moving to the middle. Stand against the battle for our mind, Lord, and stand for you. And Lord, we're believing this, that 2021 is your year. Even in the midst of persecution or whatever goes on, Lord, we are going to believe that you will be glorified like no other time that we've ever seen. That there will be a revival like we've never seen. And Lord, we're trusting you for that. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
So here's a challenge for you this week. Um, spend some time thinking about what has access to your mind, right? What are those things that are, that are influencing the way that you think? And look at them. I mean, take a fair look at them. Are they the things that are going to move us in the direction that God wants us to be? Or are they the things distracting us away from the things that God has for us? Part of our courage moving forward is to make a decision to eliminate the distractions, right? Eliminate the things that are keeping us um, from being able to do that. So in your time audit, thinking about what's influencing your mind, make some decisions this week, uh, thinking about what is trying to take control of or have influence on your mind and figure out the things that you can add in because we don't just want to take away, add some things in that can continue to make you think and believe in an ideology the way Christ wants you to think and believe. And again, I encourage you, keep coming back during this series because we're going to keep learning how to train the mind and how to understand how powerful it is for us to live the way God's called us to live. So thanks for being here with us this week in person and online and we'll see you guys next week.